0: the 95th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than Food and Frightening Film Fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer. Heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This week we are covering the Underworld franchise and there are five movies total. The first Underworld came out in 2003 it was directed by Lynn Weissman, screenplay by Danny McBride, story by Kevin Graveau, Weissman, and McBride, produced by Tom Rosenberg, Richard Wright, and Gary... I'm going to pronounce his name wrong... Um, Casey Lucchesi, L-U-C-C-H-E-S-I. The second movie is from 2006, so three years later... Directed again by Weisman, screenplay again by McBride, story again by Weissman and McBride, and produced again by Rose, the same people, uh, plus David Coatsworth. The third movie, Underworld, Rise of the Lycans, and that's from 2009, so three years later. This is actually considered a prequel, and this time it's directed by... Um, Patrick Teutopoulos, screenplay again by McBride and some other people, story again by the same people, plus Robert Orr, and again produced by the same people. Next, Underworld Awakenings, three years later, so you're noticing a pattern here. This time it was directed by Manns, Marlon, and Bjorn Stein, screenplay by Wiseman, Lavin and a few other people, story by the same producers again. Uh, This one has some heavy-hitting actors in it, starring India Isley, the daughter of Olivia Hussey. We talked about her in our very first episode, Black Christmas. So that's her daughter. And India was also in a really good series that I enjoyed called I Am the Night, so that's worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Um, There's a tie-in to The Black Dahlia. A uh, murder, so very interesting family story. Also in this, Charles Dance as Thomas, and of course he played Tywin Lannister from Game of Thrones. Theo Jones, I'm sorry, Theo James from the Divergent series, plays David. Michael ely as Sebastian. He's been in tons and tons of stuff. Um, too fast, too furious. The TV show Almost Human, which I enjoyed. And some other stuff, Stephen Rea as Dr. Jacob Lane. He was in The Crying Game, I think uh, he won maybe an Oscar for that. V for Vendetta, a bunch of other stuff. Chris Holden-Reed as Quint, who's Dr. Lane's son. I know him best from the TV series Lost Girl. And lastly, the fifth movie in the series is Underworld, Blood Wars, and this one, instead of being three years later, is five years later. Directed by Anna Forrester, screenwriter, Corey Goodman, story by Kyle Ward and Corey Goodman, and produced by the same people, plus David Kern. Where to watch these movies? Netflix has the first movie, Rise of the Lichens, and Awakening, uh, Hulu has all the movies except for Blood Wars. Amazon Prime only has Evolution for free. The rest are 4 to $5 each. And the usual Vudu, YouTube, Google Play, and Apple TV have them for 3 to $5 each. These movies are not on Shutter, Tubi, or Hulu. Rotten Tomatoes scores. The first Underworld movie, critics gave it a 31%. Audiences gave it a 79%. This is the highest rating both by audiences and by critics. So this can tell you probably a couple of things. One, there's a big difference between critics and audiences rating of these movies. And two, if 31% is the highest rating from critics, it's just downhill from here. Um, Underworld Evolution, critics gave it a 17%, audiences gave it a 72%, and this is the lowest rating by critics. Underworld Rise of Lycans, critics gave it a 29%, audiences gave it 63%. Underworld Awakenings, critics gave it a 26%, audiences gave it 62%. And Underworld Blood Wars, critics gave it 21%, audiences gave it 49%. And that's the lowest rating by audiences. Plot, typically what I have been doing is just reading the brief IMDb synopsis and then talking about the plot, but I think the Rotten Tomatoes synopsis on most of these is actually better. Um, so I'm just going to read those and then talk about the series as a whole. So for Underworld, the first movie, Rotten Tomatoes says... Under cover of night, vampires engage in an age-old battle with their sworn enemies, the Lycans, a clan of violent werewolves. Celine, played by Kate Beckinsale, a vampire orphan in the wake of a bloody Lycan attack, works for the vampire clan as a trained killer. When the Lycans take a mysterious interest in Michael Corvin, played by Scott Speedman, an exceptional mortal doctor, Celine struggles to save him from Lucian, Played by Michael Sheen, a ruthless lycan leader hell-bent on ending the vampire bloodline. The second movie, Underworld Evolution, Rotten Tomatoes says, seductive vampire Celine and renegade werewolf Michael Love one another, but find themselves abhorred by the members of their own clans, seeking clues that might provide a key to healing the rift between the species. They are hounded by Marcus, played by Tony Curran, an ancient creature obsessed with perpetuating the war between them. Continually beset by enemies from both sides, the lovers explore their past as they seek their destiny. Underworld, Rise the lichens, Victor, played by Bill Nahi, The cruel king of the vampires has persecuted the Lycans for centuries. Young Lycan Lucian rallies his people against Victor and his death dealer warriors. With his secret lover Sonia, played by Rona Mitra, a vampire at his side, Lucian leads the werewolves in a final battle to break free of enslavement or die trying. Underworld Awakening. In the years since she and her human lichen lover Michael defeated Elder Marcus vampire warrior Celine has been taken captive by humans while they wage an all-out war against lichens and vampires, Awakening after more than a decade. Celine discovers that Michael is dead, but that she has given birth to a daughter named Eve, shunned by all surviving vampires, save one. Even Celine seems powerless against her latest opponent, a genetically enhanced Lycan. And lastly, Blood Wars. Death Dealer Selene must fend off brutal attacks from both the Lycan clan and the vampire faction that betrayed her. Joining forces with allies David and Thomas, she embarks on a quest to end the internal war between the two races, even if it means making the ultimate sacrifice. So let's just talk about the history of the franchise a little bit. There are lots of flashbacks and time jumps in this franchise. Excuse me. Um, Most of the series is about everybody trying to take control and everybody trying to double-cross each other, be it vampires among themselves or vampires versus lichens. As the series begins, there's a voiceover by Celine, and she's a Death Dealer, which is an assassin um, and a vampire. The vampire's mortal enemies, as we said, are Lycans. Uh, these are werewolves. She starts to suspect something is up when she sees Lycan Lucian is in town. He's supposed to have been killed by the vampire, current vampire coven, leave, coven leader Craven centuries ago. The human that they're after is made named Michael Corvin, and Celine and he immediately fall in love with one another. Celine feels like the lichens are going to attack, so she resurrects one of the three vampire elders, Victor. And as again, that's Bill Nighy from lots and lots of stuff, including Shaun of the Dead. And he has been awakened 100 years ahead of schedule. The way the elders work is that one of the three rules why the other two are in stasis. And the other two elders are Amelia and Marcus, and uh, we'll learn more about them later. Also, a quick note, these vampires can see a person's memories if they bite them. They also can have children, um, despite being, I think, dead or immortal or something. I'm not sure how that works. We eventually learn that all the vampires and werewolves are descended from a single ancestor. Alexander Corvinus was a rich dude in the 5th century Hungary. When everyone around him died from the plague, he somehow survived due to a genetic mutation, which later became known as the Corvinus strain. The genetic mutation also made him the first immortal. He had three kids, including a pair of twins. So son number one, William, got bit by a wolf, And you know what happened. He became the first werewolf. Son number two, Marcus. Um, And as I said earlier, played by Tony Curran. And he's been in tons and tons of stuff, including uh, one of my uh, favorite TV shows on sci-fi, Defiance. So he got bit by a bat and he became the first vampire. And we don't know what happened to the third uh, child of... Alexander, except that he was a human who passed down the recessive gene to his descendants, and of course Michael Corwin is one of those. So this is why the lichens are after him. They want to use his hybrid blood to make themselves stronger. In the beginning, the werewolves could not change back into human form. Somewhere between 1200 and 1400, a baby is born that could change back to human, and that is Lucian. So he's technically the first lichen. Everybody else before him, I guess, was just a werewolf. Victor enslaves Lucian and uses the lichens to guard the vampires while they sleep during the day. Victor's daughter, Sonia, has a secret relationship with Lucian. She becomes pregnant. And she goes on trial, and while Lucian is chained up and he's helpless to help her, they kill her by opening the sunroof. So that's the end of poor uh, Sonia. Victor also has a bunch of people build a prison for William because he and the other werewolves have been rampaging throughout the countryside and just wreaking havoc and killing a bunch of people. So Victor finds a young Celine and turns her into a vampire. He tells her lichens killed her parents, but that's not true at all. Uh, she believes this story for years, but actually it was Victor who killed her parents so that, and everyone else who built the prison for William, so no one would know where it was. At the end of the first movie, Michael is shot by. Craven, who I said is the head of the vampire coven, Celine bites Michael to save his life. He turns into a vamp lichen hybrid. Remember, he was previously bitten by Lucian, and he turns into a strange bluish colored creature. There's a fight to the death with Victor versus Michael and Celine, and she ends up slicing Victor's head in two. Um, a la Resident Evil style. That's a cool scene. It's where she slices him across the head and then it just, his head, top part of his head, slowly slides off. And at the end of that movie, Michael and Selene are on the run because everybody hates them, including the vampires and the lichens. The second movie, Celine and Michael are still on the run. Craven resur- resurrects Marcus, who as we already said, is one of the other three elders along with Victor and Amelia. And Amelia was killed in the first movie by a lichen attack. So Michael is, we said, the first vampire, but he's some sort of bat-type vampire and he's got really cool wings that he likes to poke people with. And he ends up biting Craven to learn what he's been up to and then promptly bashes his head in. Selene and Michael visit a vampire historian who lives in exile since he was hip to Victor's real intentions and Victor um, exiled him. Um, He sends the two of them to a boat that's at the dock, and this is where they meet the first immortal Alexander. He's been spending all of these years trying to hide the evidence of vampires and lichens from humans. But Marcus is hot on their trail, and he wants to free William and create a hybrid and rule over everyone as a god. He mortally wounds his father, Alexander, and then Alexander has Selene bite him so he can pass on what he knows, and then he blows up the boat that he's in. Selene and Michael fly to where William was imprisoned in some isolated castle, I assume, in Hungary. He releases William there's a big fight between Michael and William and Celine and Marcus. In the end, Michael kills William by ripping his head apart. Celine eventually gets the best of Marcus and pushes him into a helicopter blade where he's chopped to bits. Thanks to the blood transfusion from Alexander, Celine can now walk in the daylight. The fourth movie. There's a time jump of some 12 years from the first movie, and humans are now aware of vampires. The lichens are pretty much extinct, so the government turns their efforts towards hunting down vampires. Celine and Michael are being held by a company called Antigen. We later learn it's secretly run by lichens, and it turns out they're not so instinct after all. They have a girl at their facility who they call subject to, and that's actually Eve. She is Michael and Celine's daughter, and also a hybrid. Technically, she's the child of two hybrids, so not sure what that means, but she has enhanced power, she's immune to silver, and she can heal really fast. And of course, the Lycans want her to again create an enhanced race, which is pretty much what everybody wants in this series. Eve and Celine break out of the facility, and are assisted by a vampire named David, who is the son of coven leader Thomas, who, as I said before, is played by Charles Dance from Game of Thrones. Lycans attack the hideout. Thomas gives Eve to them to protect the vampires. We learn that the head of antigen, Dr. Lane, has injected his son, Quint, with genetic material from Eve and created a super lichen, so he's a really big lichen. There's, of course, a fight to the death. It's Selene versus Quinn, and she finally tricks him into turning back into human form, and then she inserts a silver bomb into his chest, and he heals really quickly so he can't get it out, and then he blows up. In the end, it's Eve versus Dr. Lane, and she ends up ripping out his throat, and then they're assisted by David and a cop named Sebastian, who is sympathetic to vampires because his now-deceased wife was one. Michael, who's known as Subject Zero, was also being held by this company in a cryogenic chamber, and at the end of the movie, he's been taken away by helicopter to who knows where. In the fifth and last movie, it's still the vampires and lichens fighting with each other. That, to be honest, is getting a bit old by the fifth movie. Eve is in hiding, and Celine doesn't even know where she is in order to protect her. Celine and James are still working together. They go to a coven known as the Eastern Coven, and um they ask Celine there so she can teach the vampires how to become death dealers but actually, Celine is double crossed by a vampire council member named Samira. She has other plans they the two of them end up heading Celine and James end up heading to The Nordic Coven, and we learn that James is actually Amelia, remember the third vampire elder from the first movie. He is her son, so he is technically the last of the pure breeds and the rightful ruler of the coven. The Lycans, this time led by um, a werewolf named Marius, are again same same as always after everybody, Celine and Marius fight, and it looks like she's killed, but she's brought back by a vamp who knows the secrets of the sacred world and there's another vampire attack, but Celine finally kills I'm sorry werewolf attack, but Celine finally kills Marius and saves the day, but not before he tastes her blood and learned that she not before she tastes his blood and learn that he actually killed Michael. Then Marius is killed and in the end Celine is no longer afraid of death. Celine, David and Lena take their rightful place as vampire elders and in the last scene we get a glimpse of Eve and we're not sure if this is actually some vision by Celine or if Eve is really there. You gotta say one thing for this series, they're not afraid to kill off their main characters because we have dying in the series who I would have thought would have survived, which is Victor, Craven, Lucian, Alexander, William, Marcus, and Michael. On to trivia. Um, The franchise as a whole grossed some $539 million on a combined budget of $207 million. So that's a pretty good chunk of change. Future developments. There had been talk at one point about a crossover with Blade. I think I'll talk about that more a little later. Or a crossover with I, Frankenstein, but nothing came of those. And uh, as of now, the fifth movie was the last movie. Trivia from the first movie, Scott Speedman suffered a concussion when a set prop that was supposed to be a piece of wall uh, Victor had thrown at him, hit him in the head. Um, There are no special effects used to deepen Ray's voice. His natural speaking voice is really that deep. The attack dogs outside the vampire mansion were actually very docile and playful and but they were the only dogs available at the time for the scene where they chase Scott Speedman, director Lynn Weissman, had to film short clips of the dogs running and then later put sounds of vicious barking. If you look closely, you will see their tails happily wagging back and forth. Not only... In this movie, did Kate Beckinsale meet her future husband, director Lynn Weissman, but at the time she was in a long-term relationship with actor Michael Sheen, who played Lucian. Michael and Kate share a daughter together who appears in the film during flashbacks of when Celine was younger. Michael and Lynn have since become very close friends and collaborated with each other on Underworld Rise of Lycans. Michael and Kate still remain very close and both... Are raising their daughter equally. Michael Kate has stated that Michael is her best friend. Rona Mitra, who was considered for the role of Celine, of course later played Sonia in Rise the Lichens. Lynn Weisman opted to shoot as many of the action and effects sequences live without computer imagery. In one scene, for instance, a werewolf seems to be running more than 50 miles per hour. That's Lucian. This was shot using an elaborate rig towed behind a vehicle with actor Michael Sheen doing the close-ups of the running and the jump onto the car while the long shot of Lucian running was done by stuntman Todd Snyder. Although Lucian is the lead-like and he only shifts once into full werewolf form, and that's in a flashback scene in the first movie. The movie was originally pitched as Romeo and Juliet for vampires and werewolves. The model for the Selene character was the psychic vampire of the Hellfire Club in the X-Men comics, the Black Queen Selene. The name Corvin is derived from Corvinius, is most likely a reference to Someone named Matthias Corvinius in Hungary, he was an ally of Vlad Temps, the inspiration for Bram Stoker's Dracula, and of course that's Vlad the Impaler. Uh, I'm not going to read all of this, but basically uh, the show was sued by White Wolf, Inc. and author Nancy A. Collins. Um, For copyright infringement, she said most of the story for Underworld came from their role-playing games, which include, I'm sure you've heard of these, Vampire, The Masquerade, Werewolf, The Apocalypse, and The World of Darkness. They later, um, I think, settled, settled out of court for an undisclosed amount. And Weissman wanted David Bowie to appear as a vampire at the Vampire's Feast, but due to time constraints that didn't work out, it would have been an allusion to his role as a vampire in The Hunger from 1973. And here's the thing about the Blade crossover. Um, the creators of the series approached Marvel Studios about being a crossover with the Blade franchise, with Wesley Snipes presumably reporting his role. Marvel declined saying they wanted to leave the door open to do something with Blade on their own terms. The underground tunnels used by the lichens and for the lichen and vampire battle at the end was mostly shots of a small rebel set but shot from different angles and lighting in order to make it look like different locations. Um, the actors only had two weeks of wire work and prop training for the movie. There is a scene in the script where Celine takes a shower and walks out naked, but Kate Beckinsale didn't want to film such a scene. She had stopped doing nude scenes very early in her career. This is also why her nude scenes in Underworld Evolution and Underworld Awakening were cut out of the films or removed from the scripts. The name of the city where the film takes place is never mentioned. However, Michael's address that we see on Celine's computer is apparently misspelled Hungarian um, address. And that's because they filmed the, the um, movies in Budapest. Michael Sheen and Wentworth Miller were both interviewed for the Scott Speedman role, Halle Berry, Mila Jovovich, and Rona Mitra considered for the lead role. And of course, Mila Jovovich went on to be the star of the Resident Evil franchise, which are, we already covered. Celine was sired by Victor when she was 19. And as an unaging vampire, she should probably look about the same age. Kate Beckinsale was actually 30 at the time. And she looked pretty young, so. Selene is a Greek name. Um, Selinophile is the name of someone who loves the moon, and Selene is the Greek name for the goddess of the moon. At the time of the first film, Kate Beckinsale had mostly been doing period pieces and playing lovely girls. She took the role to shake the image a little. The success of this and Van Helsing turned her into an action girl in the 2000s. 2016's Love and Friendship was her return to her period roots. Kate Beckinsale's character Celine is not seen speaking until roughly 12 minutes into the film, even though she does the voiceover at the beginning. Kate Beckinsale spent weeks living on a diet of chicken and cabbage so she could squeeze into her very tight leather costume. She also suffered a bout of pneumonia during filming, because of the sub-zero temperatures, which help keep the weight off. And there's a bunch of stuff in the trivia about the guns that they use. I'm not going to go over that. If you're interested, check out the um, IMDb trivia. When Selene first encounters Lucian, she gets cornered by lichens and fires her gun through the floor in order to escape. Eleven years prior... The cinema stunt was performed by the main character in 1992's film Nemesis, and I think it was also... I think that's The Matrix. It only took two days to film Wentworth Miller's role. Director Lynn Wiseman has stated that a scene of Erica hissing at Michael is the most popular scene in the entire movie, though actress Sophia Miles wore the same size teeth caps as all the other vampire actors. Her fangs appear to be longer than anyone else's. Lynn Wiseman comments on this puzzling fact in the DVD commentary, saying Erica's eyes are described as being violent in, violent in the novel, even though they are blue in the film. Ironically, Sophie Miles went on to portray Beth Turner, a human who falls in love with a vampire in the television series Moonlight. During the flash-forward scenes, Sonya has blonde hair, but in the movie Underworld Rise of the Lichens, she has dark hair. The film seems to have been conceived in part as a modern update to the old universal horror films of the 1930s and 40s. So instead of black velvet evening gowns and spooky organs, it features a whole cast of characters in Matrix-inspired black latex trench coats and is soundtrack prominently features effervescence Amy Lee as she was becoming a goth icon. It still maintains a pretty loyal cult following. There's a reason it spawned four sequels, after all. But most of what made it seem modern in 2003 now makes it seem nearly as dated as the old-fashioned horror films that it was updating. I don't think it's that... Um, yeah, I think it still holds up okay. I mean, didn't seem out of date to me. I mean, I've seen a lot of other stuff that's way more out of date, like uh, Escape from New York, Escape from L.A. That stuff really looks dated. Um, Kate Beckinsale, as we already said, also played a vampire in Van Helsing that came out in 2004. Body count in this movie is 67. On an episode of Mythbusters, the experiment proved that Selene could not, in fact, shoot a circular hole in the ground to escape the lichens. Um, Michael Sheen plays a lichen, of course, here. And in a later movie, he plays a vampire who hates werewolves, and that's the Twilight Saga. The second movie, Underworld Evolution... The little girl that plays young Celine is Lily Mo Sheen, the daughter, as we said, of Kate Beckinsale and Michael Sheen. According to Tony Curran, he stipulated in his contract that he would be able to keep his fangs in at all times, even when he wasn't filming. So that's pretty fun. Um, the actress who played Amelia Zita. Gorg G O R O G had her lines dubbed because the microphones didn't pick up her voice. Tony Curran, who played the first vampire Marcus, portrayed a pure-blooded vampire named Priest in Blade Two, out in two thousand two. There's a bunch of different cuts of these movies um, so that they could get them down from NC-17. I'm not going to go through all the details there. And also... Kate Beckinsale wanted to use movies like Aliens and The Terminator as the basis for her role in the action heroine, But when they first talked about the movie um, with director Lynn Wiseman, who later became her husband, he suggested she check out Russell Crowe's L.A. Confidential instead. In Underworld, Victor says the elders began their sleep rotation cycle 14 centuries before the present day, yet in the opening battle sequence for this movie, all three elders, Victor, Marcus, and Amelia, are awake, even... Though the s- subtitle places the scene in the year 2020, I'm sorry, 1202. 1202. The name Michael Corwin was originally intended name for the main character of The Crow, City of Angels, which was changed to Ash Corvin. They had a 71 day shooting schedule for this movie. This is the only movie in the franchise that the music was not composed by Paul Haslinger. Here he was replaced by Marco Beltrami, who we have talked about in other franchises. He's done a whole bunch of um, soundtracks. Sir Derek Jacobs, who played Alexander Corvinus, and Tony Curwin, have a Doctor Who connection. Jacoby, as the master of the episode in Doctor Who Utopia from 2007, and Curran as Vincent Van Gogh in the episode of Doctor Who, Vincent and the Doctor from 2010. Bill Nighy, who played Victor, also appears in the same episode, with Kerwin as a museum curator. In the official credits, all novelizations on the official websites and in the production note, Marcus's name is spelled with a C. However, in the opening text crawl prologue of Evolution, Marcus's name is incorrectly spelled with the K. Also, Marcus is and the novelizations is described as being chronologically older than Victor. Marcus is the first vampire hybrid character shown to feed on animal blood. And let's see. Bill Nighy and Tony Curran also, I um, already said that, starred in Doctor Who episode. uh Interestingly, William, the first werewolf's human form, is never shown in the films. However, since he and Marcus are twin brothers, it's likely they are identical because william's transformation so they look the same um, Supposedly, William is the only werewolf lichen in the main canon with white fur and eyes. All other werewolves and lichens have black fur and black eyes. Body count in this movie is 62. Rise the Lichens. There is no mention of Lucian's father in the movie. His mother is shown as a werewolf, so there's two possibilities. One, Lucian's father was another werewolf, and Lucian is simply a mutant. Or two, Lucian's mother was human, but got bitten and turned into a werewolf when she was still pregnant, making Lucian half human and half wolf. Most viewers favor the second possibility. Um, Victor kills Lucian's mother is similar to how it's revealed that he was responsible for killing Celine's family, making Lucian and Celine alike. We already said this is a prequel, and Craven was going to have a major role in this movie, but he was replaced by Andreas Tanis, who plays the vampire historian. Number four, Underworld Awakening. Selene kills a total of 70 people, or lichens, making this her highest kill count in the series. This movie was not screened in advance for critics. Although the film includes a flashback of Bill Nighy, this is the first Underworld film not to feature new performances by Nighy, Michael Sheen, or Brian Steele. In the original script that was written in 2011, Celine's death dealer outfit is not in the same room where she is after she awakes, instead, she wears a thin medical gown similar to the one the main character Alice first wears in Resident Evil Apocalypse. The film continues the characteristic of the series that the major supporting parts are played by well known actors from the UK. In this case, Charles Dance and Stephen Rea. And I already said Chris Holden Reed, who played Quint, who he's referred to as a wolf shifter, was in the showcase Canadian TV series Lost Girl from 2010. Stephen Rhea, who plays Dr. Jacob Lane in this movie, ironically plays a vampire in Interview with a Vampire. First version of the script was titled Underworld New Dawn, and before it went through at least half a dozen screenwriters, some of whom were left uncredited, it was very different from this film. Anagen was originally supposed to be called uh, Biocom, and Celine wore her iconic outfit from the first two films only in the opening scene before she's captured but near the end she finds and wears a similar outfit. She was imprisoned by Biocom for 15 years instead of 12. Her daughter was 14 years old instead of 11 and she was named Nisa. It wasn't Nisa's DNA Biocom were after instead they wanted to use them both as breeders for super hybrids. Selene escaped during attempts by Biocom to impregnate her and not after waking up from a cryogenic suspension. Super Lycan wasn't as big and instead he was a mo- lot more like William from the second movie. There were no lichens and Sebastian or Sebastian's character. All the later revisions kept changing so much of the story that even when filming started, they were still not finalized. This is India Easley Eve's uh, screen debut. Uh, Directors Mans, Marlon, and Bjorn Steen discussed in interview some of the reasons why the film script went through so many problems during production which included principal photography starting without a finished script. The tone also the tone of the story kept changing with every new writer going from less serious wink-wink tone to a much darker tone. The ending also kept getting changed during the rewriting. One of the films wasn't even... One of which is the film wasn't even the one they had when they started. Second unit director and visual effects supervisor James McCade also had some issues with the unfinished script because he didn't know how to design all the CGI creatures until very late in post-production. Besides... Ones who are credited in the film, there are, as I said, tons of other uncredited writers and scripts. The body count here is 128, and David getting brought back to life was supposed to be the final scene, but Theo James impressed the filmmaker so much with his performance um, that they ended up using David in the final battle instead. And the last film. On the wall in the castle, there are several paintings of elder vampires, including a rendering of Vlad the Impeller. This is the directorial debut of Anna Forrester, who often works with Roland Ammerich, um, who did Independence Day. Producer Lynn Weissen also worked with Emmerich as a prop assistant on Independence Day, as well as Stargate and Godzilla. Peter Anderson's character is called Vidar, which is the modern Swedish version of the Old Norse king Vithor V-I-T-H-R. In North mythology, Vithor is the son of Odin and destined to kill the monstrous wolf. Farron at Ragnarok. The naming is therefore an obvious allusion to Vidar's role in the film as an enemy of the Lichens. And this is the first time a Resident Evil movie and an underworld movie have both been released in the same month. Both franchises were distributed by parent company Sony. Um When previous entries in the series had a distinctive European flavor to them, this film has a Scandinavian touch with the Nordic vampire coven and characters with names like Marius, Lena, and Vidar, which are popular in both Norway and Sweden. The movie contains four cast members from Game of Thrones, of course, Charles Dance, Tobias... Menzies Marius, who portrayed Edmer Tully, James Faulkner Cassius, who portrayed Randall Tarley, and Laura Pulver, who Samira here, who voiced Lady Elisa Forrester in the Game of Thrones, a telltale game series. Uh, Directors Anna forester and Tobias Menzies, Marius worked together in television series Outlander. Um, and despite all these people having worked together in Game of Thrones, they did not have scenes together. The ending of Underworld Blood Wars is left open, which will lead to the beginning of the sixth film in the series, says director, I mean producer, Lynn Weissman. The second or next movie is said... This says the next movie is also said to be starring Kate Beckinsale. The release date, plot, and title have yet to be confirmed. That never happened and Kate Beckinsale said she did not want to do any more Underworld movies. Um... Why should you watch these movies? Well, I'm not sure you should watch all of them. In my head, I tend to to group Underworld in the same category as Resident Evil. Both came out, uh, I think, in the same year, 2003, for the first movies. Both have kick-ass female heroines, which is fun. Both are horror-slash-action-slash-fantasy series. Both are very stylized, kind of matrixy look to them with lots of leather and fun action sequences. Um, But I got to be honest, I still like Resident Evil better. There are some very watchable scenes in Underworld, um, and there's some fun action sequences, as I said. But the story, I think, is what gets me because the story is just basically the same over and over and over again for five movies. It's the vampires versus lichens, so there's really no progress or change in the story. Um, I would suggest though that you watch the first movie and possibly the second because I do like uh, the bat. Mar- uh, Marcus, I thought that was a fun addition. But other than that, I don't think you really need to watch the rest of the movies unless you're just a hardcore fan. Um, Would I watch this movie if it was on TV, or would I try to find something else? Eh, to be honest, I'd probably try to find something else versus if Resident Evil comes on, I actually watch those. So, just my opinion, take it for what it's worth. But on to the recipe, wasn't sure what to come up with this time, so I went with how to make edible fake blood for um, for cooking for recipes. So this comes from a website called everything.com. So that's a fun name, and this is how to make blood to drizzle on, say, cupcakes or anything else you're making for Halloween or for horror-themed party. So let me scroll down here to the bottom of this. It's pretty easy. Um, sorry, it's away at the bottom of this page for some reason. with a whole bunch of ads in between basically it's corn syrup red food coloring and a tiny drop of blue food coloring to give it some authentic cover uh, color and cornstarch to thicken it up and make it not see-through so I said you can use that on cupcakes you can use it on donuts which has a good effect um, there's lots of different options Again, that's from com. If you want to check out her website, there's a bunch of other fun stuff on there as well. And that's it for this week. Where to find us? We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Uh, podcast, please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We need all the help we can get. And you can contact us at, on Twitter at Food and Fright, on Gmail at Food and Frightening Film Fanatics at Gmail.com. Uh, visit our website at Food and Frightening Film Fanatics dot Podbean dot com. So that's it for this week. Um, not sure what we're going to do for next week. But until then, stay safe. Remember to wear a mask since it's getting bad out there, yet again, unfortunately. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.